Another edition of Sports Palooza Radio. I am that rainmaker guy. You heard it. And I'm with the lovely Lisa Nooch. <laughs> That's an awesome entry. I never get tired of our entry. Do you or not? No, I, mean, I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't. Okay. I love our entry. Yeah. So, uh, boy, we're doing a quick show today because we have a guest who decided to come back and come back. Back to Sports Palooza and do a second show with us. Of course, you might remember when John Feinstein came on our show and we went over the walk on book that he did. Now, of course, that was a piece of fiction and uh, he did not put out a new piece of fiction recently. He put out the first major, the inside story of the 2016 Ryder Cup from John Feinstein's view. And, uh, man, so it's cool. We're going to have him come on the show today. We're going to talk about this book. We're going to talk about the Ryder Cup that started right here today. And here we go. Good stuff, right? Yeah, I love having John on because yeah. as a journalist, he is, I mean, he, yeah. he is the epitome of a journalist. And, and you'll hear us go into not just about the Ryder Cup, but really about his process of putting this book together, which I was just floored by. Yeah. And I'm just so pleased that, that he likes to come on our show and talk about this. And I'm thrilled, you know. I mean, I don't really know. Uh, I'll be fully honest. I mean, I don't really know a lot about the Ryder Cup. I went into this kind of blind. I've watched golf occasionally, yeah. so I'm sure that there's a lot of people listening who are like, this is about golf. I don't watch golf. But yeah. you know what? I don't really watch a lot of golf either, but the story and the emotion and the information and the detail that John puts in this book that he's going to talk about, it's worth picking up. It I is. mean, if you're just looking for a really good book to read. It is, and, and it's a great story, and yeah. it, and the Ryder Cup's a different animal. Uh, you know, it, this is golf Super Bowl. This is you know, base golf's World Series. This is yeah. golf. I mean, this is golf's Daytona 500. I mean, it's the Ryder Cup. You're representing a country format now. I mean, you're out there. You you heard the crowd when Tiger won his last tournament. And I mean, you can just hear everyone chanting USA. And I told you when we were watching that and saying, you know, you know why they're chanting USA, right? They're trying to prepare all these guys for the, <laughs> the big Ryder yeah. Cup that's coming up this weekend. Like that wasn't just about Tiger Woods and winning it. That was about US, a little bit USA stuff in there, trying to get the Europeans off their game early. That didn't work on day one, but anyway. <laughs> when you said that this is like the Super Bowl, this is the World Series, I was going to say to yeah. you as a WWE fan, is this right? the hell in the South? This is WrestleMania. <laughs> WrestleMania. Is WrestleMania. I, it really is. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's just that big. Uh, I mean, especially these people and especially the emotion that goes on, like you mentioned. Yeah. It's just, uh, this is an emotional tournament. You can tell by the cover of the book. I mean, with Rory and, and oh. Just the intensity of him and Patty going at it that day. It's just just great to have John back. Of course, a fellow New Yorker as well. All three of us. Put three New Yorkers in a room. (laughs) What what Uh could happen next? Yeah. (laughs) Uh (laughs) But we have fun with John. Um, And we definitely want to get this piece out here because, uh, you know, it's it's, like I said, it's Ryder Cup time. And uh, we just had John on. So we want to get this piece out there as quick as we can. And uh, so let's bring in the interview with John. We'll bring John in here. And uh, Lisa and I will be right back. Enjoy. 
That's right. It's time for another book review, people. So grab a lamp and a cozy blanket because we have two-time New York Times best-selling author, Mr. John Feinstein, joining us today for the second time. In fact, of course, he came on for the walk-on when he wrote that book, and that was amazing. And now we have him on for the first major, the inside story of the 2016 Ryder Cup, John Feinstein. How are you today, man? EJ, Lisa, it's good to talk to you guys. How are you? Oh. Man, we are well. Hanging in there. That's yes, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, John, thank you we so all? much again for coming on. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. I'm excited to actually talk yeah. to you about this book. I have some questions, yeah. and then is going to kind of get into the meat of the, of the book. Ooh. But, you know, writer to writer, I was so thrilled to, like, read about your process about this, this book and how it started and, and everything. And I heard that – the concept of this book actually started when you were researching another book. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure, Lisa. Uh, when I went, I went to the Belfry uh, in 1993 for the Ryder Cup there, I was in the early stages of my research for A Good Walk Spoiled, which was my first golf book. And it took me probably about 15 minutes to understand that this event was like no other event in golf I'd ever been to. It might have been like no other sports event I'd ever been to because the passion is so different, the intensity is so different, the fact that it's a team event in an individual sport that you're playing not only for your teammates but for your country, uh, whether you're playing for Europe or the United States, uh, and just the whole atmosphere. And I remember saying to myself as that weekend went on, and the United States ended up winning the last time the U.S. won in Europe, as it turns out, yep. um, I want to do a book on the Ryder Cup someday. And it only took me 23 years to get my act together and, and get it done for a variety of, re of reasons. But uh, it worked out great because 2016 was kind of a perfect storm. The United States had had the complete meltdown on the last day at Medina. Then there was the Phil Mickelson, Tom Watson, Dust Up at Glen Eagles. So the pressure that the Americans were, fa were, were facing, even on home ground, even facing a European team with six rookies, uh, at Hazeltine was was almost unbearable and to their credit they handled it and and came out with the victory and I was fortunate that because of my relationships with players and captains on both teams I was able to write about that weekend really from the inside Rory McIlroy tweeted after he'd read the book that he felt like he was in both team rooms when he read it and that was kind of the ultimate compliment for me yeah. Wow. And and you said as much as it's taken you like this amount of years to get this book done, I also read that it took you like hours, like hundreds of hours of interviews and like it was like 75 people or something that, that you had to sit there and, and, and listen to interviews and do research. <laughs> I'm just floored because, you know, I, I love when journalists put – this kind of effort because nowadays books are like literally churned out very quickly because of either self-publishing or publishers that want to just get them out there. And they, they don't take the time to do this amazing amount of research. Talk a little bit about like exactly the research process and what you had to go through. Oh my God. Well, it, it, it wasn't exactly torture, Lisa. I mean, I enjoyed much of the process. <laughs> I enjoyed getting to know uh, better in, in some cases getting to know uh, a number of the players in other cases getting to know much better 
some of the people involved. Uh, I'm, I was very fortunate that they were willing to give me the time that they gave me. That's always been my process, though. It's, um, I'm a big believer in, in, in that, that old saying that the genius is in the details, and I'm a detailed guy. I remember once uh, I, I had an, a new editor on a book, and he kept writing in the margins too much detail. And I finally picked up a phone and called him and said, detail is what I do. If you think there's too much detail in this book, you can't edit me because that's, that's, that's my M.O., and because uh, of the number of interviews, as you mentioned, and the time I was able to spend um, with guys, uh, I, I was very fortunate uh, in, to, do, to execute the book the way I wanted to and the way I've, I've written 40 books now and the way I've tried to execute each of my books. And I guess what sums up how important the cooperation of the players was that first time I sat down with Jordan Spieth, we spent about two hours together. And when we were done, I said, you know, I'm going to want to circle back to you. As, as the process goes on, and he said, he said, yeah, just just take my cell phone number so you don't have to deal with my agent. That'll make it a lot simpler. You can't ask for more than that. Yeah. Now that that's like the cream of the crop. Yeah. When a writer hears, take my cell, I get yeah. that with some entertainment writing that I do, and a celebrity <laughs> goes, take my number, call me directly. It's like, yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah, and and as you know, Lisa, you know this too, EJ, texting, particularly with younger people, has become the way to communicate. So I've had to learn how to make my fingers a little less clumsy to text because it's amazing how quickly guys answer you. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Now, did anything in all of your research and your conversations with these guys, did anything catch you off guard when you were going through this research that you're like, wow, I did not expect I'd come across that? Yeah, that's a very good question. And and again, because I'd sort of been uh, wanting to do this book for so long and, and had been to various Ryder Cups in the past, uh, I think I had a good idea of what I was going to find going in. But I, I, I will say this, when when the matches started, uh, and, and Monday through Thursday of Ryder Cup week is torture because everybody just wants to start. Everybody just wants to get playing. Uh, but when the matches did finally start on, on, on Friday, when you're out there walking, uh, and I'd done it before, but uh, because I was so into this, because I knew all the players, um, again, the intensity that you feel. And, and on that Sunday when Rory McIlroy and Patrick Reed were out there playing that first singles match, and everybody knew how important it was because the U.S. had a three-point lead, and if Rory could not off Patrick and quickly cut the lead to two and give Europe some momentum. Uh, a repeat of Medina was certainly not out of the question. And the quality of play was just, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, Rory birdied five, six, seven, and eight and lost ground because Reed went eagle birdie, birdie, birdie. And you remember that scene on the eighth hole when Rory made the long putt and, as Matt Kuchar described it later, looked like he was going to go full Hulk. Um, and then Patrick turned around and made the putt right on top of him. And I, I was standing not far from Rory, maybe five to ten feet max, and, and, and at the back of the green. And for a second, I thought the two of them were going to go at it because Patrick turned and pointed his finger at Rory, and I'm going, oh, my goodness, what's going to happen here? And Rory walked over and gave him a fist pump and said, great putt. And it was a great moment of sportsmanship between the two of them. But, boy, was it intense at that moment. Major intensity. I would assume that's what made you put that particular photo on the cover, man. I mean, you have the cover of yeah, your book. Yeah, I, I, I think, I I think mean, the two on. of them at that moment 
summed up that entire Ryder Cup. So, yes, you're exactly right, EJ. <laughs> now, um, before he gets into this more with you, my, my only other question for you is, you know, your love of golf, uh, you said started back when you were a teen and you worked at a country club in Long Island. What was yep. it back then that made you fall in love with the sport as a teenager? Long Island. A number of things, Lisa. Uh, first of all, I worked for a great man, a guy named Bob DiStefano, who was the pro at this little club called Gardner's Bay Country Club on Shelter Island, which is off of the two forks of Long Island. You take a ferry to get there. Uh, he was the pro at this little club for 50 years um, and, and had one of the great first junior programs, and I learned golf from Bob, and uh, I learned to love and respect the game, that, that, that it's a game of sportsmanship, that you call your own penalties, that uh, you, 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 there's no taunting in golf, well, occasionally maybe, but basically, you know, you, you, you show respect for your opponents, you res- show respect for the game. And the other thing I loved about it, Lisa, to be honest, was when I would get off work uh, at 6, 6.30 on a summer night, uh, the golf course was usually empty because I always stayed till the last cart came in. And I would just grab a cart and go out, and I could play 18 holes in an hour and a half, you know, or two hours max before dark. Uh, and I loved the feel of the golf course when it was empty, when dusk was kind of coming in. I loved being out there by myself just working on the game. And I think a lot of real players, good players, uh, have had those moments like that, 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 that even though, you know, when you're a professional, you're out playing in front of thousands of people, I think every great player will tell you that he has those moments uh, of solitude that he or she remembers from being a child. And I never became a great player. I never became a particularly good player. But I certainly cherish those memories uh, from boyhood uh, out on the eastern end of Long Island. Man, John, you know what? You and I have a similar story because I went to high school in the Marinick, and my junior high school was right next to, oh, you know the golf course. Wingfoot? I mean, Wingfoot is a little, little, little bit more prestigious than Gardner's Bay Country Club, but the experience was probably similar. Just a little bit. Yeah, yeah just a little. Yeah. You, go near, you know what happens when you go near Larchmont, New York, man. Everything changes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You're not kidding. I remember going over there. Yeah, it's a big difference, man. It's Larchmont and some of the, yeah, you know, you know the difference, man. Westchester is uh, right. Yowza. Right. People do so ask anyways, me, though, yeah, if I had one round of golf left to play in my life, where would I play it? And the honest answer is still Gardner's Bay Country Club. And I've gotten yeah, to play yeah, most of the great courses at some point. Right. Familiarity is, is obviously, man. There's a heart in there you can't take away, man. <laughs> right. You know. Uh, man, can we go back to that ninety-three one-two, man? I'm just Tom, Tom. Sure. Tighten those glasses, man. Tom, tighten those glasses and that Olasabo Ballesteros pairing. Oh my God, man! I I loved watching the nineteen ninety-three Ryder Cup. There's some cool videos out there. Why haven't you written a book about that one yet, man? Because that was well, I did write about one. it, EJ, in in a good walk spoiled because I I was there yeah. for the whole thing and. And uh, yeah. Tom Watson was the captain, and uh, the story that I tell in the book that is still one of my favorite golf stories is Watson the night before the matches began saying to the four rookies on that team, Davis Love was a rookie, Jim Gallagher was a rookie, uh, Lee Jansen uh, was a rookie, and Chip Beck was a rookie, and uh, in saying to the four of them, this is the only event in golf where your legs will shake on the first tee. 
And Davis right. tells the story about sitting there going, oh, come on, Tom, I played in all the majors. I've teed it up on number one at Augusta. My legs aren't going to shake. And the next day, he and Kite are walking to the first tee, and they're about 10 yards behind Ballesteros and Olathebel, who are walking as if they're attached by a string. And the fans are going nuts, and they're singing the Olay song. And it was alternate shot, and Davis was supposed to tee off on the odd holes. And he turned to Kite, and he said, hey, Tom, maybe you should take the odd holes because his, he realized his legs were shaking and he didn't want to have to tee off on number one. <laughs> Stories like that, man. Stories like that. <laughs> man. That's just awesome, John. I, I love hearing the stories about the, the history of the stuff. But, of course, man, we're here for the 2016-41st Ryder Cup at Hazeltine that we're talking about here. Man, yeah, like you mentioned, that Reed McElroy. Well, I mean, when McElroy, I can't hear you, man. When he pulled that off, <laughs> that was just, I, man, there's moments in golf that you will never forget. When Rory buried that putt, like you mentioned, and just hearing the putting his hand to his ear and doing, getting everybody yep. riled up, that was the single greatest moment in that entire event, for sure, John. And, you know, not even close he did that, EJ, intentionally for three <laughs> days. He understood going in that he had to be the leader on that team, even though he was only 27 years old. But it was his fourth Ryder Cup. Ian Poulter wasn't playing. Lee Westwood was struggling with his game. Uh, some of the guys who'd been stars on the European teams that had won, Luke Donald is another example, weren't playing. And he knew it had to be his team. And, and he knew he had to take on the American crowd and try to take some of the pressure off the other players. And he took it on and he played superbly. Uh, and, uh, you know, if, if you walked away from that Ryder Cup, no matter who you were rooting for, not admiring Rory McIlroy, then you're, you're really not a golf fan. Yeah, man. You know, I love when you talked about Phil's take on the setup of Hazeltine and talking about the putting greens because Americans just, we putt better than them, so we make yep. our greens nice and cozy for us, man. <laughs> now, obviously, with this one coming up in Paris, how do you think they're going to set that up and what, what disadvantage they're going to try to give the Americans, man? They're going to try and well, put those pins in some rough spots or what? <laughs> well, yeah. I, I, as you know, right? the, the home captain controls the setup of the golf course. So at Hazeltine, Davis Love had the golf course set up with wide fairways, low rough, and as you said, fast greens because the Americans like to putt fast greens. And in Paris, you're going to see narrower fairways, you're going to see higher rough, and you're going to see slower greens. And you're going to see the art of getting up and down uh, be far more important than it was at Hazeltine, where on the last day, on Sunday, Sergio Garcia and Phil Mickelson both shot 63 and had their match. And Rory and, and, and Patrick, as we discussed, both played so superbly. I mean, you didn't see a whole lot of bogeys happening out there because that's the way the, the Americans wanted the golf course set up, uh, yes. the way you might find on the Bob Hope Desert courses or something like that. The Europeans are going to set it up so that par is probably going to be a pretty decent score. Yep, yep. And how, now, now how close are you to David Johnson, man? Because that heckler story – has got to be the greatest. We start chapter 20 with the David Johnson story and him heckling, Denson and the Europeans and everything. Yeah, you think it's so easy. Do you want to? Yeah, I'll give you 100 bucks if you come out here and bury that putt. And he, what did he do, man? He buried that putt. That, that story. He buried the putt. And the video, there's a video correlation to that, too. That was awesome, man. I mean, well, because the Euro you handled it so beautifully. You know, they're hugging right? him and high-fiving him, and, of course, they gave him the 100 bucks. <laughs> Um, and it, it, funny story now, when, when he, if you remember the video, he's wearing a cap, he's wearing sunglasses, um, and, uh, you know, he, 
So he, he obviously would look different if you saw him in another setting. And the following, after the book came out, I was having dinner one night uh, at Augusta with Brandel Chambly. And this guy comes up to me and he says, John, uh, my name's Dave Johnson. You wrote about me in, in your book. And I'm thinking, Dave Johnson? <laughs> Davey Johnson, the old Mets manager? No, I know Davey Johnson. And he said, I was the guy who made the putt. And I went, oh, my God, of course you are. And, but I, without the sunglasses and the cap, I didn't recognize him. Man, stories. So, what, are you obviously are you making the trip to Paris? I I, I know you're still in the states. You're no, not I'm not going to Paris. Uh, to be honest with you, um, I'm I've, I'm working on a couple other books right now. I have a lot going on. Um, and unless you're for me anyway, other guys are different. But for me, unless you're writing a book on the Ryder Cup and and you have to be there, uh, the Ryder Cup's not a great event to cover. Certainly a great event to watch. But you have very little access to the players during the week. That's why I had to do so much of my reporting work before the event and, again, after the event. Because you, you can't go in the locker rooms. You can't walk on the range and talk to guys the way you can at other tournaments. So I did as much as I could. I watched as much as I could from up close. That you can do. Um, but since I don't have to be there for a specific reason and I have other projects going on, I'll be like you. I'll be glued to my television set for three days, starting yeah. very early on the morning of the 28th. Yeah, very early. Uh, very early, man. Yeah, we're six, five, six hours behind them, so yeah. We're six hours <laughs> behind, think of the exactly right. Yeah, I mean, what do you think of the captain's picks for this one, man? I mean, that's uh, Bryson DeChambeau. Well, those two, tur- well, those two tournament wins were phenomenal for him, man. Those two wins were yeah, great they back were. and back. And back. Amazing. The, I, the think, I thought Thomas Bjorn had a much harder job do it, making his captain's picks than Jim Furyk did because Tiger Woods played so well this year. Phil Mickelson won a golf tournament and he's been on every Ryder Cup team since '95. And as you mentioned, DeChambeau won back-to-back tournaments leading up to uh, to, to the first three captains' picks. So that was a no-brainer. You could have made those picks. I could have made those picks. That was that was easy for Jim. Fourth pick wasn't that difficult either. Tony Finau had a very consistent year. He's a birdie machine. I'm sure Jim will play him in better ball and and not so much in the foursomes. Uh, but I thought that was a fairly easy pick. Bjorn, on the other hand, had had some key veterans who weren't playing that well this summer. Most notably, Sergio Garcia, who had a terrible summer but has a great Ryder Cup record. If he was going based on recent play, he probably he might have picked his fellow Spaniard Rafael Cabrera Bello. Uh, he might have he picked uh, Thomas Peters, who played so well at Hazeltine. Um, he had to pick Henrik Stenson, too, because there are five of the eight guys who qualified for Europe, good players, but they're all Ryder Cup rookies. And as anybody will tell you, playing the Ryder Cup for the first time, the Davis Love story with the leg shaking, is like no other experience. So he had to go with experienced guys uh, with his four captain's picks. And that's why Sergio got picked and Stenson got picked uh, ultimately. And that's why I brought Paul Casey back, even though he hasn't been on the team for 10 years now. It's amazing, man. And uh, have you had anyone come up to you and be like, uh, John, you, you know the Ryder Cup isn't a major, so why would you call a Ryder Cup event the first major? <laughs> like, has anyone come up to you and been like, I, I, I was waiting. Not really. I think like people <laughs> understood the point of the title. Um, that even though the Ryder Cup is technically not a major, I mean, technically, Jay, it's an, ex- it's an exhibition. 
You know, there no, there's no money yeah. at stake. There are no FedEx Cup points at stake or anything like that. All it does nope. is decide which team is better those three days. But my point was, this is the best event in golf. And I think anybody who's witnessed it, especially people who've witnessed it in person, would agree with that assessment. It is, man. I mean, it surely is. <laughs> I was just wondering if anyone was just stupid enough to not really realize what you're really, what you, what you're the event. No, I think pe- I, about it. it's, it's an event. Yeah, I think people got it. I, I I really do. Yeah, yeah, man. And you know, John, you mentioned the price of some of these tents that these guys that people pay for to actually <laughs> sit alongside. No, my God, John. I mean, some of these prices that you have in the book are outrageous, man. I mean, you need to literally be a millionaire to even walk along this golf course for two days, man. <laughs> What? Yeah, pretty close. But how, wow, John, how 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 did you even find people who can afford those kind of tents? I mean, that's a lot of money, John. I, I don't want to get the figure out because it's a lot of money. But how, man, how, I don't know how those people afford to actually go to these events and and and, and sit well, on. Unfortunately for me, EJ, I didn't have to find him. The PGA of America did, and apparently <laughs> they had no trouble finding him because they were sold out months in advance. All those tents and the chalets and. Uh, you know all the all the regular tickets that were, as you said, very expensive. Um, and, and golf fans are amazing. I, I really mean this because going to a golf tournament as a fan is really hard. You know they make you park a hundred miles away. You've got to shuttle in. You got to go through all the security to just get on the grounds. Uh, most people are using outdoor plumbing while they're there. Concessions are always overpriced. Uh, it's not easy to go to any golf tournament, much less the Ryder Cup, where everything is ratcheted up in security, expenses, inconvenience. And yet they were turning people away. They had 55,000 people a day on the grounds because people wanted to go home and say, I was at the Ryder Cup. And that's why they could get that kind of money. Wow. And I'm not going to let you go before I ask you. You snuck in. I'm working on a few book comments. So can you give us a little tidbit about what you're working on now? Yeah, I didn't sneak it in, Lisa. I threw it right in your face, didn't I? (laughs) Um, Well, I I have a book that's just come out, actually, uh, that's fiction. Uh, I started writing uh, young adult fiction about 13 years ago. Um, and the new book is called The Prodigy, and it's about a 17-year-old kid who qualifies for the Masters and actually has a chance to win, and all the pressures that come with being a star at that age, with agents and shoe company reps pushing you and wanting you to wanting to throw money at you, and uh, people on the other side saying, "Don't rush, you know, be be a kid for a while." Um, and he encounters all sorts of real people because that's what I do in my fiction. I put real people in there, um, usually people I like, uh, to make it feel more <laughs> real, guys who would be playing in a Masters, whether it's Rory McIlroy or Phil Mickelson or um, Jordan Spieth or Justin Rose and on and on. So that book's just out. It's called, As I said, it's called The Prodigy. It's gotten great reviews so far, so I'm really excited. And in November, I've got a book coming out on what it's like to play quarterback in the NFL. Um, I worked with a bunch of different uh, QBs last year, interviewing them in much the same way, Lisa, you mentioned that I interviewed um, the the guys in in the first major, great detail, multiple interviews. And interestingly, I mean, some of the names are are big names like um, Andrew Luck, Joe Flacco, Alex Smith. But one of the guys I picked just because he's really smart was Ryan Fitzpatrick. And boy, is he making me look good right now, isn't he? 
You think? <laughs> Ten touchdowns. <laughs> is my boy Aaron Rodgers in there? Aaron is in the book, but you know what? I I I tried to get him to be one of the main guys, and he and he I did get a meeting with him. We sat down and talked at length, and I honestly think Lisa, because of some of the things that were going on in his personal life, you know, with his family, uh, he was he was reluctant. Uh, he, he couldn't have been nicer about it, but I didn't get to spend the time with him that I would have loved to have spent with him. Yeah, you know, another comment that you pulled off in the book, man. I, I love Eric Fisher's comment about. Minnesota, man, because nothing really ever good happens in Minnesota. And my wife, <laughs> he will second that all day, John. <laughs> I mean, that's just what a great comment to make. Because, you know, of course, obviously the World Cup came here like the year after that 93 whole thing with the World Cup coming to 94 here. Uh, you know, so there were some decent things that happened in Minnesota, but not much, man. I, I love that comment because there is nothing in Minnesota that's really worth even discussing here, John. <laughs> well, the, the Ryder Cup at, at Hazeltine was certainly worthy of discussion, I'll tell you that much. And it was That's a lot fun. of fun for me to work on this book. Yeah. Yeah, we're just giving some hard times as Minnesotans because, uh, you know, pack a fan in the broom. And what do you do, John? Exactly. <laughs> of course. Exactly. I, 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 I know how it works, believe me. I've spent time in both Wisconsin and Minnesota. So you are amazing. I mean, I've, I'm on my 18th book, and yeah. I tell people that, and they are absolutely floored, but I feel like an absolute amateur talking to you because you, you've been on well, the New York Times bestselling list. You have 40 books under your belt. Yeah. I mean, you're amazing. You are absolutely amazing. He's been on our show twice. And hey. <laughs> so, well, that's nice, um, nice, of you, nice of you guys to say, but uh, – you know what? I'm really lucky. I get paid to do to do stu- uh, work that I love doing, and I still love doing it even after all these years. And I hope I'll continue to do it for a while. Yeah. Well, every book that comes out, we expect another guest appearance yeah, here with please, you. Yeah, so. Please. You call, I'll be here. Yay. Awesome. Right. Where can everybody find you and and keep track of what you're doing and follow all your books and things like that? Well, thanks for asking. Uh, the the best place is usually my website, uh, jfeinsteinbooks dot com, uh, but also, you know, Amazon uh, dot com, barnesandnoble dot com, and and if you're in a bookstore, hopefully my books are well displayed. But uh, uh, jfeinsteinbooks dot com is usually a good place to start. Awesome. So just want to remind our listeners that the book that we're talking about today is the first major, the inside story of the 2016 Ryder Cup. John, again, I'm going to say it. You're amazing. Thank you so much for being a guest on our show. And, hey, guys, it's holiday time out there, so if you're starting looking for some stocking stuffers, books are an awesome way to fill up those stockings really well. I like the way you think, Lisa. I appreciate it. (laughs) Thanks, John. Have a wonderful day. Thanks, John. Okay, guys, thanks for having me. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers. It's awesome. It's just awesome to have someone like that on the show. I, you know, I mean, just like you mentioned that, you know, what you've done in your career is pretty tremendous. And then you see guys like this, uh, you know, uh, it's hard not to respect somebody who's just putting out books and quality books. Who, and, you, and you know, like you mentioned on the air, that he takes the time to dig in. It's yeah. not just like a, you know, hey, I, I got to get something out there just to make a few bucks real quick. No, no, John Weinstein does not look at anything like that. That's cool, right? That, that is cool. And, and I've been in a situation where I've had to put books out through publishers in like three to yeah. six months. And the amount of detail that you can put in books like that 
is really not very good. Yeah. And even if you try, you run out of time. The fact that John, when you see this book, and he's not kidding, the detail is amazing. Yeah. And, and he I, makes sure his final product is what right. it should be, right? You know? Right. And I, I mean, admittedly, I watch golf if it's on, yeah. if you're watching it, but oh, yeah. I don't seek it out. But a book like this, even if you're not a golf fan, the stories that he's telling, as EJ said, the stories, yeah. uh, is one of the most important reasons why you should pick up this yeah. book. Yeah, I mean, the the history of the Ryder Cup moments that he did in the build-up to get to the 2016 event that he's covering here, I mean, he gives you a phenomenal history of, of, of what the Ryder Cup meant going back to 1993. And all the, obviously, the U.S. has some one on European soil, and they're going to be in Paris, Paris, France, and Rome for the next three. Uh-oh. So, yeah, we'll see. And, yeah, like, we are back, and that is great stuff. Uh, having John on was tremendous. Again, I, we certainly want to throw out a big thanks for John Feinstein, a tremendous book man, and uh, you know, I hope everyone out there is enjoying the Ryder Cup as it goes on right now today. Right, just started here. I mean, uh, USA's down on day one, but that's okay. That's okay. We'll get back into it. European, it's always tough in Europe. Obviously, you heard us mention that uh, America hasn't won out there since 1993, and the next three Ryder Cups are in Europe. And this is one of the three. Uh Uh-oh. So, yeah, down 5-3 on day one. We'll figure out something here. Tiger didn't look too good. Looks like he might have got it. Everyone's talking about he might be injured again. We'll see. I I don't know about all that. Just, uh, I mean, just, you know, when you have any rough day at all in golf, someone has to be out there going, oh, what happened? What's wrong with that? Okay. Shut up. Just stop talking, right? All right. Let's get everybody out of here. Like I mentioned on the show uh, or uh, in the interview, let's get everybody out of here. Yep. uh, And we've said that enough of times, so we really are going to let you people go. But before we do, please make sure you follow us on Twitter at Palooza Radio and please follow our new site at Sports Travel Fun. On Twitter, yeah. On Twitter. And SportsTravelooza.com now, too. Yes, we do. And we're working on bringing you more content on all of our sites. So you'll see some changes little by little. But we're also going to have over the next couple of weeks, we're going to have some more great guests. And we're also going to have one of our episodes will be dedicated to gifts that you can give your loved one for the holiday season yeah. so that should for, for your sports fan for yeah. the holiday yeah. season which should be fun yeah so i'm looking forward to that and now that it's starting to get a little cooler in the air and i'm thinking pumpkins i also start thinking about the holidays right. so this is perfect timing That's right. so join us for that as well and thank you all for listening yeah and uh we'll talk to you next time here again uh check out john's book john feinstein you can certainly find him in, uh, on his Twitter feed. He mentioned he gave up all the information up there. So uh, find him, find that book, and uh, find make us. Sure you listen to us again. So we'll see you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.